You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. At my last CSO gig, our SOC director moved out early on the entire SOAR idea. This security orchestration, automation, and response concept, this infrastructure as code theory, that within nine months of the project start, his team was able to reduce the number of alerts coming into the SOC from 1 billion every quarter to just under 500. In the process, he was able to repurpose some of his tier one analysts from being console jockeys doing scut work, swiping left on meaningless alerts, to learning how to be threat hunters. Talk about a forced injection of training around detecting cyber adversary campaigns. And that is the power of automation, the force behind why the IT folks have been pursuing this DevOps philosophy for 10 years and the reason that network defenders should get on board now. My name is Rick Howard. You are listening to CSO Perspectives, my podcast about the ideas, strategies, and technologies that senior security executives wrestle with on a daily basis. In this episode, I talked to three CISOs at the CyberWire's hash table about the two problems a SOAR philosophy adoption might solve for you. The collapsing of the SOAR market into the SIM market and vice versa, and the fear that some CIOs have of letting their CISOs into the infrastructure as code game. The main reason that SOAR tools started to gain traction in the network defender world sometime around 2018 was the fact that the number of alerts coming in from the security stack that a typical SOC analyst had to process had exponentially exploded compared to what they were doing just 10 years ago. Like I said at the top of the show, at my last job, my internal SOC was processing some 1 billion alerts every quarter, and that was overwhelming. And we were not even that big compared to some of the internet giants like Microsoft, Amazon, or Google, or some of the big government outfits like the Department of Defense. I was talking to Kevin McGee about this. He is currently Microsoft's CSO for Canada. He and I worked together at Palo Alto Networks for a few years, not too long ago. And this is his first appearance at the hash table. Microsoft sees uh, 8 trillion threat signals a day. And every time I get a new update of uh, the PowerPoint, the number grows. So um, we have to do this, or there's no way we can possibly keep up with the, the sheer amount of threat signals we're dealing with. 8 trillion messages coming into the SOC a day. That makes my 1 billion coming into the SOC every quarter seem almost trivial. To put that into perspective, a billion seconds adds up to roughly 32 years while a trillion seconds adds up to 32,000 years. 
that's a lot of alerts. If you think of it in those terms, it's amazing that SOAR tools are not standard practice for every SOC on the planet. The concept of SOAR basically exists to address the problem of finite resources, finite number of humans um, to review, analyze, and really respond to infinite and growing number of potential threats. You know, how do we how do we address these uh, concerns around skill gap, around burnout in our industry and whatnot? And then how do we really just uh, compete at cloud speed with uh, with our adversaries who are using those tools against us? So I think that's you know the where I sort of think about uh, soar. But not everybody agrees. Rick Doughton is the CISO for Carolina Complete Health and a regular at the hash table. He thinks that the SOAR tools are a waste of resources for security teams who haven't taken the time to configure the tools that they already have. In other words, they have installed so many tools incompletely that they need another tool to help parse out the noise. You know, go back to the source instead of adding something to add more complexity, because I also want you know, better visibility you know, by 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 focusing on my 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 instrumentation, I'm tuning it and and adjusting it and I and I'm using it because because that's the other my other kind of point against it is that it lets you not effectively use the tools you have. It kind of covers up for the fact that well, I put in this email gateway and I just you know, left the default settings on and it does, it blocks spam and it helps, you know, find, you know, uh, mad links and malware and stuff, you know, but I get all this extra things to it. So I'll add a SOAR tool that'll kind of clean it up instead of looking at it and how can I use it to its potential. So you have a lot of tools you're using 20% of their potential because you don't want to dig into it and having something kind of pick up all the slack to kind of like normalize it so a human doesn't get bombarded. My own view is that I prefer the centralization that a SOAR tool gives me. Yes, I may not have completely configured all the tools in my security stack that, if you recall from last episode, range in size from 10 tools for small organizations to over 200 tools for very large organizations. But to spend time on each individual tool, configuring the noise down to something meaningful seems so inefficient when I can use a SOAR tool to automatically do it with software in a centralized repository where all the data flows into. To me, it is a matter of convenience. So let's agree to disagree on this one. But for the sake of argument, let's assume you desire a SOAR capability. Do you need a SOAR tool, like from a vendor? Or can you just roll your own? Rick Doughton says that if you have good people trained well, they are already doing that. We have all these tools because we don't have enough and enough good people in the industry. Because if you have like really good people, then they're not chasing tools. They're figuring out how to automate stuff and scripting things and leveraging the things they they already have. Kevin McGee disagrees. I think our industry has always uh, had um, a group that wants to build everything themselves, um, and uh, that's that's great because that's what uh, you know spawned the hacker culture and 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 made us who we are. But at some point, um, you know it. It, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to really spend time, you know, building your own. Um, you know, I, I think about something as simple as racks and data centers, you know, back in the day. Uh, it, was a, it was very expensive to buy pre-configured racks or you could build your own. Um, but is that the best use of your, your time, really, uh, when someone else has already got it figured out? Um, contributing to increasing the security posture of your organization, reducing threats, um, you know, uh, looking at new ways to... Uh, to gain efficiencies out of the tools, I think is a much better use of our, our people's time. 
Which brings us to the SIM, or Security Information and Event Management Systems. These tools showed up in the marketplace circa 2006 as on-prem analysis engines that, according to Stephen Gailey over at the Cybersecurity Magazine, quote, combine security event management with security information management, end quote. In other words, security stack alerts plus intelligence. But even back in those early days, long before we had the Microsofts of the world collecting a trillion messages a day, we couldn't stuff enough information into them to make them that useful. Since they were on-prem, they never had enough hard drive space. People like me kept having to make decisions about what not to collect in the SIM. And for the stuff we did collect, we had to decide how long we would keep it. Like I said, not that useful. That situation got better as SIM vendors started using the cloud to store everything sometime in 2017. Suddenly, network defenders had infinite hard drive space in the cloud at a relatively cheap price. In the cloud, they could store everything they wanted. The result is that most SOCs have SIM tools of some sort. The decision that comes to mind then is a data flow decision. Do you descend security stack telemetry to the SOAR tool first to parse out the noise and then dump everything into the SIM? Or do you dump all that telemetry and intelligence straight into the SIM and let the SOAR tool parse the SIM to reduce the noise? I was talking to Kevin Ford about this. He's the North Dakota State CISO and a regular Hashtable contributor. He says that it's a little bit so of it, both. It does both for state for state traffic, right? It does both. It'll go into the SIM um, and it'll go into the SOAR at the same time. And then the, if the SIM churns and does its thing, and if it finds anything interesting, it'll pop also pop a warning into the SOAR. But for the K twelve, um, the counties and the cities and the uh, and and higher education. Um, we're getting information directly from the asset, and that's being popped right into the right into the SOAR, right into our data lake that the SOAR runs on. The interesting question is, why do you need a SOAR tool at all? Why can't the SIM do everything? After all, SIMs are just big log collector databases anyway. Network defenders have been able to write scripts for them from almost day one of them hitting the marketplace. And like the other tools in the security stack, most of us are only using a small percentage of this capability. Why then do I need an additional SOAR tool to automate the process when I can leverage a tool that I already have? Here's Rick Doten again, so, the Carolina Health CISO. It's like, all right, well, you have a SIM, you have stuff going into the SIM, you know, you can script, and also the other toolings that you have, you know, I can do stuff like in email response, you know, we have things to be able to, to script those out. People use 10% of what a SIM can do. The truth of the matter is that SIM tools have always been hard to automate. You could receive telemetry from many kinds of security tools, but the internal scripting language that came with the SIM has been notoriously obtuse. In one of my previous CISO gigs, I hired a full-time guy to be the SIM programmer. After a year of work, we had little to show for the effort. Frustrating. That situation left an opening for the disruptor sore tools to come in and feel the need, which they did. It left the SIM vendors scrambling to stay relevant. The result is that the two capabilities are collapsing into each other. SIM vendors are way better today at SOAR stuff now, and SOAR vendors work more and more seamlessly with the SIM vendors. Here's Kevin McGee again. Integrating SOAR, integrating other tools, really to make the tool Sentinel more than some of its parts. Um, I'm not sure if there's a 
term coined for next generation sim or, or whatnot, but I'm sure it's coming uh, at some point. But uh, I think that's where we're headed. And, and cloud scale is really allowing us to do that, uh, something we've never ever done before. So far, all we have talked about in terms of SOAR capability is the process of automatically separating the signal from the noise. For me, just doing that is probably worth the investment. But SOAR tools have the potential to do so much more today. What I'm talking about is SOAR's built-in ability to interface with the tools within your security stack. With a SOAR tool, you not only collect and process telemetry from your security stack, you also have the ability to update your security stack with new configurations, with code. This is essentially DevOps, and since we are updating the security stack, it's really DevSecOps. Instead of logging into each tool on the stack individually to complete the day's configuration changes, you configure all the changes in the SOAR tool and then push the button to execute. By flipping this process, a whole world of opportunities open up to the InfoSec team. Here's Kevin McGee again um, from so Microsoft. How do we uh, start to rethink and redesign our security posture to think about um, the, the threat actor? And we're seeing a lot more human-operated ransomware uh, campaigns. Um, there's a lot more thought into going into each step of the, uh, the attack. So they're taking a different approach Protecting against the the threat actors most likely to attack you is probably a better way to set up your security than to focus on specific tools. Yet our industry seems to be fixated on those specific tools. So I see SOAR as a chance to uh, to rethink that and to go back to first principles on how we want to design our security uh, our security posture. What Kevin is talking about has been the entire premise to this CSO Perspectives podcast. I've been talking about establishing some first principle strategies in cybersecurity and thinking about how to pursue them. More importantly, from my perspective, is SOAR is an opportunity to really rethink how you build your security posture because we design for threats around based on tools now. And I think we really need to think about redesigning our security posture based on threat actors. When you hear someone describe a, a cyber attack, they usually use the tool's name. So it was a Riot attack. And I think that perpetuates a, a, a challenge in our industry because now we're always focused on the tools. And, and I equate that to focusing on the arrows when we should really be thinking about the archer. The archer is the real threat. In Season 1, Episode 6, I go into depth about what a first principle is and why we need to use the idea to develop our cybersecurity strategies. Also in Season 1, Episode 8 this time, I talk about intrusion kill chain prevention as a foundational strategy. If you haven't listened to those, I recommend that you go back and catch up. And Kevin Ford, the North Dakota State CISO, thinks you can use SOAR tools to automate those processes. Who would understand the kill chain and then you pre-build you know, pre the responses? I mean, that's the dream, right? Um, that's... That should, I think, be the dream for every uh, everyone using SOAR is making sure that you can, um, you've got a framework. Now, again, I like MITRE and I like the attack framework and the understanding of the kill chain. Um, but you have, you have a framework and you can disrupt the attack uh, kill chain through meaningful interactions between your SOAR tool and the information systems that are potentially victims uh, to those sorts of attacks. You know, that's the beauty of SOAR, but that's also the beauty of, you know, this, the understanding of the attack kill chain and, and having an established framework. The one pushback you get from CISOs on this idea 
is that the CIOs of the world are generally reluctant to turn the management of the security infrastructure completely over to code, especially since they have ultimate responsibility for keeping the network up and running, and they don't want to run the risk of a bunch of security nerds screwing something up. Kevin McGee thinks that when they hear automation, they conjure up Skynet from the Terminator movies that will somehow wake up and take over their operation. But there is a difference between automation and fully automatic. We are talking about automating processes here, not building autonomous systems. Um, you know, we, we have jokes about Skynet, you know, taking over or whatnot, uh, when we have sort of score, sore discussions. And when comments are made like that, it sort of brings out the concerns that uh, the customer may have around, you know, I'm not interested in fully automating. And that's maybe what they think SOAR is, is a fully automatic. When you talk about fully automatic, it makes people uneasy. Uh, about sort of writing code and then having it execute. So um, there's a there's a balance there versus automated and automatic. I think that we need to establish comfort levels uh, with people, and uh, maybe that's a human you know gate process where a portion kicks off automated, then a human looks at it and then makes a decision what to do next or whatnot. It doesn't have to be fully automated, but removing a lot of that redundancy makes the job of analysts much better. One thing to consider about SOAR tools and just the general philosophy of DevSecOps is that the network defender community has been slow to the game of automating their processes and infrastructure. At this point, we are at least 10 years behind the IT community who started working towards the DevOps concept way before 2010. SOAR tools, whether homegrown or vendor provided, gives us an opportunity to dip our toes into the DevSecOps waters inside our own SOC world without too much risk of affecting the overall performance of our internal networks. We can begin to automate our intrusion kill chain prevention strategy, which, by the way, is the only choice we have if we want to get ahead of our cyber adversaries who have already automated all of their processes. But it doesn't stop there. SOAR tools provide the opportunity to help automate your incident response processes, your cyber threat intelligence sharing agreements, and could even be used to facilitate the monitoring and maintenance of your compliance infrastructure. And those are just the obvious things we could automate. Once we get comfortable in these environments, I expect that the innovation we get from our InfoSec teams will astonish us. But we need to get going. So let's take the first step. And before I leave you, let me recommend a couple of books from the Cybersecurity Canon Project. These are both Hall of Famers. The first one is The Phoenix Project, a novel about IT, DevOps, and helping your business win by Gene Kim, Kevin Baer, and George Spafford. And Site Reliability Engineering, How Google Runs Production Systems by Betsy Bayer, Chris Jones, Jennifer Petoff, and Neil Richard Murphy. Uh, the Phoenix Project is really about the philosophy of DevOps and the Site Reliability Engineering book is about how Google does it. And that's a wrap. If you agreed or disagreed with anything I have said about SOAR technology, or really anything, hit me up on LinkedIn and we can continue the conversation there. Next week, we will be talking about where in the organization should the Office of the CSO report. You don't want to miss that. The CyberWire CSO Perspectives is edited by John Petrick and executive produced by Peter Kilpie. Our theme song is by Blue Dot Sessions, and the mix of the episode and the remix of the theme song was done by the insanely talented Elliot Peltzman. And I am Rick Howard. Thanks for listening.
If you enjoyed this preview of CSO Perspectives, be sure to subscribe to CyberWire Pro and get access to the rest of this episode, as well as all past seasons of CSO Perspectives ad-free. And you all know I love getting rid of the ads. Visit thecyberwire.com slash CSO Pro. That's thecyberwire.com slash CSO P-R-O to explore the many benefits of CyberWire Pro and to subscribe.